What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races, touchdown! Oh, he's done it again! Now here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Friday Mailbag here on Fantasy Football Today. Your email's at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. That's the letter I. And your questions on Apple Podcasts, your Apple Podcast reviews, always very appreciated. Leave us a five-star review and ask us a question. I'm Adam Azer. No Dave. No Jamie. No Heath. No Chris. No Schrager. We got a new guy joining the show today. He's an editor for CBSSports.com for the fantasy site. Uh, his name is Dan Schneier, and we welcome him to the show. And you can see if you're watching the video, at Dan Schneier, S-C-H-N-E-I-E-R. Dude, that's four straight consonants and f- and three straight vowels. So it's a it's a lot to spell. At Dan I have Schneier friends NFL. who still can't spell that name right, Adam. <laughs> Ten years, twenty years, doesn't matter. And then you got NFL at the end, just for some more consonants. At Dan Schneier NFL, follow him. All right, tell us about yourself, Dan. Welcome to the show. First time on FFT, not the last time. Um, welcome. And uh, who are you? Well, I'm very excited to be here, Adam. And as you well know, I had some questions beforehand. What's the dress code? I didn't want to come in here overdressed. and want to come here underdressed. So I just went with the Rob Lowe. You know, Rob Lowe, famously a few years ago, he went to that football game. I think it was Saints. I'm pretty sure it was Saints Rams. I'm not positive that <laughs> MC championship game. And he was wearing, he basically looked like a referee, as you described it. He had the NFL logo on. It's a good way to stay neutral. You know, you don't want to show off your bias. And I say that with all this Giants gear behind me, because for those who don't know, I am an editor for CBS Sports, but I also do run the Big Blue Banter podcast, New York Giants, all 22 film-based podcasts. So if you're a Giants fan, check it out. But yeah, I love football, man, and I'm really excited to get going on this. I was, I've was i been looking forward to this day for a while, Adam. Oh, good. Yeah, we've been looking forward to it, too. We've been trying to get you on, and uh, we've had you in a lot of mock drafts, so it's awesome to hear your voice now and get your fantasy advice. Let's get started with an email from Colin to the crew who has consistently overvalued Joe Mixon. Might be some truth to that. Why aren't you talking about wide receiver twos? Not wide receiver twos for a fantasy football lineup, but with each team. For example, Tyler Lockett helped me when Doug Baldwin was finishing his career. So did Landry after Beckham joined. The second receiver, as a full topic, team by team helps, especially with what you talk about least round six and later. Think Mike Williams or Russell Gage. Uh, Paris Campbell, he mentions, and he goes on. 
Uh, he's angry. He doesn't like the way we value Joe Mixon, and he doesn't like that we don't talk about round six and later, and he doesn't like that we don't talk about the second wide receivers on teams. So are there any second wide receivers that jump out at you uh, for Colin here? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good point. I think a lot of the times these second wide receivers, typically the ones for me that operate out of the slot, they get the cleanest looks. So, for example, Cooper Cup, he's the best example of this. Cooper Cup, I'm sorry. He's just made a career out of operating out of the slot because when you're lined up in the slot, you're facing predominantly zone coverage instead of man coverage, and it makes it a lot easier to get open. C.D. Lamb's the best example of this. I think he'll be even better this year, but he's looking for deeper guys round six or later. So some of my favorites, Adam, are Curtis Samuel, who I think they signed for a reason. That's an offense that likes to move the ball through the air. Darnell Mooney is prime for a breakout. He's a great example of this. And then a little bit deeper, Robbie Anderson. I think he was miscast a bit in his role with the Jets. They had him running a lot of just go routes and vertical routes. But in last year in Joe Brady's offense with Carolina, you saw him operate in a different way, and I think that will translate with Darnold this season. A couple others I love, Adam, and I don't know how you feel about Debo Samuel. They're going to manufacture a lot of touches for him, again, out of the slot, but also in motion when they bring him into the backfield. And then Michael Pittman, somebody who I loved last year as a rookie profile, and I think he'll take a big jump with Carson Wentz this year. I like Pittman, too. I think he has a chance to be the number one wide receiver if he takes that year two leap that everybody knows I look for. I do not like Debo Samuel. I think you had a really good list there. Uh, I'm not really looking at Darnell Mooney, but I, I see the sleeper appeal there. People really like Darnell Mooney, and I, I get it. I just don't really want to put I don't want to put too many eggs in the basket of the Bears passing game. Uh, I don't like Debo because I think he's the third guy. You know, it's not just wide receiver. It's got to be the number two guy, right? And it's obviously Kittle is one. And I think Ayuk is two, and I wouldn't be shocked if that were flipped this year in terms of targets. But I think Samuel's going to be third, and. Four years under Mike Shan- or Kyle Shanahan, nobody's had more than five touchdown catches. So I I just don't see him doing enough, and I don't see him scoring more than five touchdowns. So Debo, to me, I just don't really think there's a ton of upside there. He's going, I mean, he's going right after Devontae Smith and Tyler Boyd. And I just, I can't tell you how much I'd rather have both Devontae Smith and Tyler Boyd than Debo Samuel. And he's also going ahead of Curtis Samuel, going a few picks later. I can see it on Boyd. For me, with Devontae Smith, I feel like there's a good chance that that passing game is not going to be what people think it is. Jalen Hurts bailed from the pocket a lot as a rookie and kept things out of structure. Smith seems to me like somebody who needs things to be a little bit more in structure like it was last season with Matt Jones. And as far as Debo goes, I get what you're saying. There is capped touchdown upside. I think that... But these receivers like Debo Samuel, Vishka Chenault, these players, and hopefully for the Giants' sake, Kadarius Tony, these players who the offenses manufacture touches for, whether that be motion them into the backfield for those quick push passes or just getting to them quickly out on the outside or on the perimeter because they know once they have the ball in their hands, they can force missed tackles or create yards after contact. I think they have a lot of value. Now, I would tend to say more for PPR leagues, Adam. If you're in a full-point PPR league, I like Debo Samuel a lot more than if you're in a standard league or even a half-point. But in those full-point PPR leagues, there's only so many guys who are getting touches manufactured for them every single game. You may have a guy on the outside like Devontae Smith who has a game where he only sees four or five targets because the passing game just wasn't on track. Jalen Hurts was leaving the pocket. And and Smith might not be the best example of that because Alabama did do a good job of using him in motion and on quick hitters. But there are receivers like that. Brandon Ayuk, for example, I think he is a better receiver from a talent standpoint than Debo. But I can see a situation this year where he doesn't get as many targets as people think he's going to get. Yeah, and by the way, Dan does a lot of scouting too. He wrote a lot of our NFL draft player profiles as well. So you're going to hear that kind of incorporated in this. Uh, Jay writes with his first first ever email. 
And I'm assuming that was his first ever email to the show, not just his first ever email ever. Uh, and he says, because um, if it is, this is a strong email for your first ever email. Good job. I won my nine-year strong hometown PPR league for the first time last year. And due to the Julio trade, uh, it's affecting my keeper. So I can keep two. Dalvin Cook in the first round, but the 12th overall pick. Calvin Ridley with the 13th overall pick, second round. A.J. Brown in the third round, the 36th pick. Uh, this is easy. Yeah, we'll see if it's easy for me then, Adam. Now that you just put the pressure on it's for so me, it's easy. Cook. For me, it's Cook for sure. And then I'm also going with A.J. Brown. Yeah. The key for me here is just the value from pick 13 to 36. I actually think Julio's arrival will only help Brown because it's going to force defenses to use more bracket coverage against Julio. Julio might be old, but he's still just as impactful and effective. And defenses still give him just as much attention. So that's a great thing for A.J. Brown. And more importantly here, the Titans' secondary could be low-key really, really bad this year. They lost to Dory Jackson. He signed with the Giants. And they didn't make any real effort to, to replace him or really improve anyone on that secondary. A secondary and a pass defense in general that was lagging last season. So I think that there's low-key a chance for really good game script for this Titans passing game. I'm all in on a lot of players in this Titans offense from at their ADP from Brown to Julio uh, to Tannehill as well. Janoris Jenkins. They got yeah, the Jackrabbit. Don't forget. But no, they, that's a downgrade from Adoree Jackson. You would think barely played last year and they, they had a bad defense. Uh, this is from Ryan. They did have a great offense and Ryan wants to know about Derrick Henry. Am I crazy to think Derrick Henry could see some regression this year? He's 27. He almost got 400 touches last year. Running backs generally decline years after getting around that many touches, right? Am I overthinking it? Would you still take him in the top five in redraft, Derrick Henry? I still love Derrick Henry. I feel like some athletes in this NFL game are just built different. The way that he's built, he has seemed to manage to – I mean, he's had minor injuries, but he hasn't had too many – really crazy injuries that have kept him off the field. And it just feels like he's that type of athlete that's tough to bring down, that creates so much yards after contact and just can play through uh, a lot of these injuries. And I'm still all in on him. 27 does seem like you're getting to that tipping point with running backs. I don't love him as much in dynasty, I guess. But as far as just for this season, that whole Titans offense seems to me like it could take a big step forward with Julio. And that just means more scoring opportunities for Henry. And the problem with the argument, and I think a lot of people a year ago would have would have been totally on board with this email, but he did this in 2019. He had 303 regular season carries, and then in the postseason in 2019, my apologies here. Let me just he he had a ton. He had 34, 30, and 19. So he had like about 400 touches the year before. And a yep. deep postseason run, and then he just came back and was just as good, and he had 2,000 yards. I've pointed out that every running back who's had 2,000 yards has lost at least one yard per carry the following season. He had five point, he averaged 5.4 yards per carry. Everybody's going to take the over on 4.4. Can he oh, buck yeah. that trend, you know? Can he? Then they've all fallen off, you know? They, they've fallen off. Nobody's done it twice in a row. Um, I can get into the numbers a little bit deeper at another time, but... Yeah, he's tough to pass up because he's not human. So that's the problem. That's really the problem with your with your email and your argument. You're talking about Derrick Henry like he's human, Ryan, and he's proved last year he's not he's not a human being. Uh, Rob from Bellingham, dear Josh, Jim, Joe, and Dennis. Hmm, Josh, Jim, Joe, and Je- and Dennis. 
I don't know. Can you help me understand why Najee Harris will not be this year's Clyde Edwards Zeller? You'll recall CEH was a late first round pick of the Chiefs, was coming into a prolific offense, heralded as a core piece of the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes dynamic off- offensive juggernaut. He was going last year in the first round. Why should I trust Najee Harris this year, who will likely be going earlier and earlier as the 21 fantasy football year goes on? Yeah, I think with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Adam, and obviously, as you know from doing all these mock drafts with me, I'm incredibly high on Clyde Edwards-Alaire this year. I don't think there's any reason to... The the reasons we were so high on him last year all apply this year, plus the Chiefs added a lot of firepower to that offensive line. So I love him, but I feel like his rookie season is a bit misremembered. Yeah, I mean, he got injured, but before that, he was on pace for, I believe, in the 1,300 range of total yards. And so he was still on pace for what would have been not the ceiling of where he was drafted, but surely not a bust by any means. And somebody who you could have relied on as a low-end RB1, more in the high-end RB2 range. And that was with, as and this is a note from uh, Chris from Chris Towers, who's not on the podcast right now, but it's from his recent fantasy preview of the Chiefs offense, that was a lot of bad luck from the touchdown standpoint. I mean, this is according to Chris, it's a number to know. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had 15 carries inside the 10 last year. And, you know, that's not a huge number because 51 players had at least 10, but it highlights that he wasn't really lacking for opportunities to score, but he only came away with one touchdown. Now, is that because of Clyde Edwards-Alaire or is that because of maybe the Chiefs offensive line dealt with a lot of injuries, wasn't as strong last year. And now they added some serious pieces to that offensive line. And so I feel like that could regress in the positive direction. Clyde Edwards, Lair could be great. Now on the flip side, when it comes to Najee Harris, I am definitely concerned with that Steelers offensive line. I think it's been really falling apart the last two or three years and they have done a little bit to improve it, but not enough. But ultimately I feel like the volume will still be there. And when you're drafting a guy like that, what you really want is the volume that's first and foremost, because that can give you, get you to the RB two numbers. I believe that. And at this point, Najee Harris is still not being drafted as high as Clyde Edwards Hilaire was at the end of last August draft. Cause I remember Clyde Edwards Hilaire shot up in some drafts all the way to the five, six, seven spot. So it's yeah, not, I took him. I, not, I think yeah. I took him fifth or sixth in a draft. Uh, he had just to, to keep going with what Chris said, nine carries inside the five and only one touchdown that was the fewest for any running back with nine or more carries inside the five-yard line. Uh, I mean, right. it's hard to get lower than that, but he's the only one who had fewer than three touchdowns. Most had five or more, you know, four or more, I'd say. Um, so nine carries. Like Mike Davis had nine carries inside the five, five touchdowns. Kareem Hunt, nine carries, three touchdowns. Aaron Jones, nine carries, four touchdowns. Miles Gaskin, nine carries, three touchdowns. Daryl Henderson, four touchdowns. Clyde Edwards-Eler, one. Taysom Hill, six. So, uh, you know, the other thing that was annoying for for Clyde Edwards-Eler managers was they would run trick plays with Travis Kelsey. They would do those little touch passes to Tyreek Hill. They were a very unconventional inside the five-yard line. But, um, you know, I break it down into two stretches for him. First six games, he was on pace for 285 carries, 56 catches, and 1,819 total yards. After that, it just wasn't he just wasn't even nearly as involved. And they started throwing the ball more, and their offense really got a lot better, I would say. They just started, you know, putting it on Mahomes. So that's my fear for Clyde Edwards Elair is that they go back to that. But if if they're a little bit more balanced next year, then he's gonna be really good. But I, I think with Harris, I guess I could see that argument, yeah. Um, but there are plenty of rookie running backs who had great seasons 
maybe they were drafted earlier than Harris. You know, McCaffrey. Well, McCaffrey wasn't a great rookie season, but Fournette, um, Zeke, Barkley, they were all drafted way ahead of where Najee was. Um, but you know, well, you you do the prospect profiles. I would say Harris was a better pro, was a clearly better pro, uh, prospect than Clyde. Definitely a better prospect than Clyde. I, I felt like Clyde was a bit overdrafted. I think they were looking for a unique role for him. But that's also why I'm a little bit higher on Clyde going into year two. I know they drafted him to run those easy, quick pass uh, running back routes that they know they can get free yardage out of when the defense is putting all the attention on Hill and Kelsey. And we didn't really see that too much in his rookie season. Obviously, the injury played a big factor. But I think that can happen. But Harris, by the way, is also a little bit underrated in that in that way as yeah. well. Alabama didn't start using him that way until this past season. But he runs really good arrow routes, and he does he does a, he runs a lot of those routes that are kind of unguardable for most linebackers in the NFL. All right, next email is from Mark. We'll do some Apple Podcast questions after this, and we'll finish with more emails. Uh, I have the fourth pick in a dynasty startup a dynasty startup superflex league that's also tight end premium. What is McCaffrey's value in the first round? If quarterbacks go one, two, three, should I take him over a top tier quarterback? And I, I mean, I even throw Kelsey in there as a possibility or some tight end. It's start, dynasty startup, but it's super flex and it's tight end premium. So he's got the fourth pick. If McCaffrey's there at four, do you take him? So I subscribe to the Heath Cummings school of QBs are gold and everything in a super flex dynasty league it's the way i've always drafted my super flex leagues last year started a startup league it was a little bit different with salary cap but i had i knit it with mahomes burrow uh justin herbert and aaron Rodgers. i went heavy on quarterback and i always don't spend much on running back so for me the answer is always going to be the same i'm going quarterback here uh, again i think the running backs are the one position in dynasty that gets that tends to get overvalued i mean even last year i remember miles sanders was viewed as a top 10 top 15 dynasty asset going into startups last year now where do you view him james connor was another guy who some people viewed going into last year as maybe a top 40 top 50 dynasty asset now you won't even use a top 150 100 or 200 pick the the roles change too much with running back the teams uh, change out the position too much, and and you know the volume isn't always there. So for me, I'm passing on McCaffrey, and I'm taking one of the four, one of the quarterbacks, because you can still get a really good young quarterback at the fourth pick. It's not like we're talking eighth, ninth, tenth range. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking, you're talking Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, someone like that. Uh, how is your how's your poker game? You a poker player, Dan? Oh, I'm a big poker player. You are. Adam. Can't wait to put the test to it Tuesday. I got, I got my eye on you, buddy. <laughs> yes, if you are a big fan, then you were with us last year. Uh, we were, you know, it's pandemic. We got to get some. We got to do something. We got to entertain some people. Let's play some poker online and let the audience come watch and talk some smack with us. And it was a lot of fun. So we're gonna do it on Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, on our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com/slash Fantasy Football Today. Again, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, playing poker, courtesy of Faded Spade. So join us there. Faded Spade cards are the preferred playing cards of the World Poker Tour and poker players across the globe. Get your set for 20% off with the code FFT at FadedSpade.com. That's a cool offer. Go to FadedSpade.com, 20% off. FFT is the promo code. Um, And we'll be giving away two free sets of cards during the show. Again, subscribe to the channel, youtube.com slash today. Turn the notifications on so you know exactly when we're live. And we'll see you on YouTube Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Time for our Apple podcast questions. From Megan2971. Dear Joey, Denny, Kevin, and Kurt. 
man, I feel like such a loser today, <laughs> which isn't unusual, but especially today. Joey, Denny, oh, yeah, NASCAR. Yeah, well, now I don't feel like such a loser. I'm not a NASCAR guy. I don't know it either. That one went right over my head, Adam. I'm usually always one to take a quarterback late in drafts. However, I'm in a one QB league where quarterbacks are awarded one point per completion, and it is six points per passing, passing and rushing touchdowns. And there are negative, no negative points given, well, except for interceptions and fumbles. Okay, yeah, well, that's normal. Um, so it's, it's fairly standard, except one point per completion. Should I draft quarterbacks a little sooner than say after round nine or ten? So I've heard this question a lot in a different sense, Adam, and my answer is always the same. The one I usually hear it in is just the ones that have the, the classic six-point passing touch instead of four. And to me, I don't think it changes all that much because the the reason why you're drafting quarterbacks late and why there's so much value in waiting at quarterback is not because of the scoring. It has all to do with the fact that you only start 12 each week and there's 32 in the NFL versus all the other positions where that doesn't really qualify, except for tight end. That's a onesie position. But that's its whole other thing because there's a huge tight end dead zone after the big three and maybe four this year. So my, my take would be that the one wrinkle here, Adam, is the one point per completion. What I would be looking for is quarterbacks that are in high volume offenses that pass the ball a lot. And so I think you can look to take one of, I think you can look to take one earlier, but what you're really looking for is to take a quarterback whose defense stinks. So they're going to be in game script, but they have to throw the ball a lot in comeback mode and a quarterback who has a pretty high completion rate. Well, let me tell you like, like Tom Brady had 401 completions last year and Lamar Jackson had 242. Exactly. Okay, so we're talking about 160 of more points for Brady. Justin. So That's when, crazy. When you see, I think, I hope I did that math right, 159, I think. When you see questions, when I see questions like this, it's not necessarily you need to draft a quarterback earlier. It's you have to change your rankings. Yep. Point per completion and six point per passing touchdown league. I don't... I'm not going to do rankings for these right now, but I am taking Tom Brady over Lamar Jackson. Without uh, a doubt. Yeah. In fact, you could probably wait at quarterback because people are going to take the usual suspects, and you can take Matt Ryan. Yeah. Who, who led the yeah. NFL in completions. perfect uh, for this. Right. You know, the, the drop-back passers gain a lot more value. So it just changes the players. The, it changes the rankings, not the strategy, I think. Um, sure. Brennan in Grand Rapids, Michigan. This one I think I know. Dear Tom, Jim, Chad, and Denard. These are going all over my head, Adam. I got to be honest. All right, come on, listen. We're in Grand Rapids, Michigan. <laughs> okay. Denard. Oh, okay, we got it. Denard Robinson. Yeah. This is Tom these Brady. are Michigan Chad. quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I have picks 104, 209, 210, and 304 in the rookie draft. So 104, 209, 210, and 304. It is a 10 team IDP PPR league with two flex. Who should I aim for with my two second round picks and my third round pick? So I really like where he's at from a quarterback standpoint because it's only one quarterback starting league. He can bang on Kyler, I think, for 10 years. Worst case scenario, maybe Tua breaks out. Tight end's a bit different. Kelsey's going to be there for a few more years. I don't love the back end three, but tight end you can usually kind of – tight end I wouldn't use one of these picks on. So what I really think you should focus on here is running back and wide receiver depth. 
And at the 209 and 210, if they somehow fall, I would prioritize Michael Carter, the running back on the Jets, or Terrace Marshall, the receiver on Carolina, or Kadarius Tony, who continues to just plummet in these rookie drafts, uh, the receiver from the Giants. But otherwise, I love Josh Palmer, the wide receiver for the Chargers. I He was, out of all the receivers I scouted, I thought he was the best value by far in the NFL draft. I was really excited to see him match up with Los Angeles Chargers because he's a massive deep ball threat, and that's perfect for Justin Herbert. I also really like Diami Brown, who's at a UNC and went to the Washington football team. He's just a really unique prospect who has a lot of size, who's a great size speed combo. He kind of reminds me of a DK Metcalf life. Uh, I'm sorry, DK Metcalf light. And if that makes any sense, he's not just as talented, but he's got size and speed, and he was kind of underdrafted. Otherwise, for your next picks, I like Nico Collins, Kenneth Gainwell, Amari Rogers, if you need the help now, and Aaron Rodgers comes back. But at the 304, I want to give you a couple sleepers too. I love Khalil Herbert. He's a running back who was drafted to the Bears. When I scouted him, I comped him to Tiki Barber. I thought he was by far and away the best value of the entire running back class. I think it could also be interesting with that 304 to just get a potential IDP stud because you did mention it was an IDP league. And if you're going to go that route, I would look to get Mika Parsons or Jamin Davis, linebacker for the Cowboys, linebacker for the Washington football team. Both of those guys are going to be racking up a lot of tackles, but they can also make plays as a blitzer and in coverage. So they're three-way linebackers. I think those are the guys to prioritize with those picks. Mic drop. Good stuff. From Russ Bin. Dear Jalen Tua. You know these ones or you need help? <laughs> okay. I got it. Alabama quarterbacks and now fantasy quarterbacks. Half PPR, 10-team league. DK Metcalf in the fifth or Hawkinson in the 15th? This one for me, Adam, I'm curious if you disagree with me, but it's going to be DK Metcalf for me without a doubt. I am, and we're going to, I don't want to spoil it because I may be dropped. We may be doing something with this later, but TJ Hawkinson is one of my, on my top five to avoid list. I want nothing to do with Hawkinson this season. I would take Hawkinson because I, I'm pretty sure you can get Metcalf in the third or the fourth. Um, Hawkinson is probably like a seventh or eighth round pick in a 10 team. No, like a sixth round pick in a 10 team league based on his ADP six or seventh. Why are we so high on Hawkinson, Adam? I'm it's very curious. Target volume. He's going to, but is that it. even a guarantee? Or are we yes. just assuming with, with Jared Goff there, he's going to get a ton no, of targets. It's not with just Jared Goff there. It's with Brashad Perryman and, and, uh, Tyrell Williams and Amonra St. Brown. And it, they have a really bad receiving core. Uh, so, it could also just be a really bad passing game, though. It will be. I looked. I, I'm. I'm doing the research now to see. I'm only. I've only done three of the five years. I want to see the last five years where the top tight ends have finished in terms of targets on their respective teams. And through 2016, 17, and 18, every single top five tight end was first or second on his team in targets. So just that's a little bit of a side note. Just keep that in mind. We expect that from Kelsey. We expect that from Waller and Kittle and all that. But that's why I don't really want anything to do with Herb Smith. I don't think he has top five upside. Um, right. Something to think about. I think he's going to lead the team in targets. We know they're going to have a bad defense. So I think they'll be throwing a lot. And uh, yeah, I just... I, I understand we did, we did our tight end episode yesterday. I understand that the metrics don't really show that he's a great player, uh, but I think you're just kind of buying into the opportunity. I, he I, I, he could lead, he could be second or third in targets among tight ends, and if he is, then like Kyle Rudolph five years ago, he's gonna he's gonna back into being a top five tight end. 
It is also an Anthony Lynn offense, though, so a lot of those targets will funnel through the backs. I I just feel like when you bank on these guys, it, it's just more so with the running back position than tight end. I don't think there's as many examples with tight end. But when you're banking on projected volume and a bad on a offense you know is not going to be very good at all, I think it could be bottom five in the bottom five in the NFL. It it seems like those are the those are the types of bets that tend to fail more often because volume is is kind of tricky. We think that he's the best receiver on that offense, but is that for sure? He's He's more of a two-way tight end. I feel like he's a better blocker than receiver. So I don't know about this one. Hawkinson's going to remain on my avoid list. All right. Yeah, he's going back-to-back with Mark Andrews. So you're an Andrews guy in that in that argument? Without a doubt, but I'd take Pitts over both of them. Uh, this is from uh, Judy. Hello, Alice, Bradley, Anderson, and Cup. Oh, those are Coopers. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the uh, I'm the commissioner of a 10-team half PPR redraft league. We have a six-team playoffs with two buys. It seems like every year someone gets screwed in the first or second round and scores the second most points that week, but loses to the de- team who scores the most points. It seems to me like the three seed gets screwed for doing better in the regular season than the four and the five. I presented the idea of a points-based playoff system where the two highest-scoring teams move on the first two weeks of the playoffs, and then a normal one-on-one championship week in week 17. I don't think it would make the playoffs any less boring and ensure that the team who performs the best in the playoffs moves on. I have done this, Dan. I did it in fantasy baseball last year and had no problem with it. Actually, I am the commissioner of that league, that baseball league, and I forgot that I made that the rule. And I thought I won the first round of the playoffs, and then I went back and looked at the rules, and I realized that my matchup had the two lowest scores. So I actually lost... But, yeah, I think it's a good idea. I think once you get to the playoffs, I, I think it's a fine idea. I don't think you have to do this, but if your league likes it, once you get to the playoffs, you've got four teams playing in the first round, h- highest two scores advance. You've got four teams playing in the next round, highest two scores advance, and then you've got your championship. Yeah, I'm all in on this. I'm all in on anything to help with the variance of fantasy sports. I like the two-week championship idea. I don't know if you've heard of that, Adam, but a lot of leagues do. The championship game is the last two weeks, and it's just the aggregate score of that between the finals matchups. And and an 18-game season. Now you can do that in weeks weeks 16 and 17. You don't have to play week 18, but you get your normal fantasy schedule but a two-week championship. It's not a bad idea. Yep, so I'm, I'm on board with this. I think it's a great idea. Okay, here is from, uh, here's one from Method Manilo in West Virginia. Hey, Gino, Pat, Mark, Jeff, and Oliver. Yeah. Uh, Gino Smith, the first one, and then Pat White. I mean, are these West Virginia quarterbacks? Mark yeah, Bolger? I don't Gino know the others. Yeah. Okay, uh, two quarterback league, 10 team, $200 salary cap league. All yards count the same. Passing, rushing, and receiving. Interesting. Uh, keeping Dak for 30 bucks. Would you keep Derrick Henry for 26, Calvin Ridley for 19, or Jalen Hurts for five in a 2QB league? I think I'm going to have a different answer than you on this one, Adam. I, I just, I'm going Jalen Hurts. I just feel like with this scoring system, QBs are worth just about everything. And I would get as many as you can. Yeah, it's 10 team. So that means there's going to be potential for more on the wire. But I would imagine if you're in a league like this, where all yards count the same passing and rushing, then you're going to, you're going to probably see a league where everyone owns QBs. And if you have more QBs, you can use them as trade bait. I would just try to get as many quarterbacks as possible. So $5 Hertz, I'll I'll take it. I agree completely. This one is from R T E Y U V G R R. 
How badly did I screw up? I had one 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 point one in a Superflex Dynasty League uh, startup. I traded two twelve and five point one to get back in the first round, and I wound up with a core of Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Superflex, AJ Brown, and Hawkinson. But I have Gaskin and Edmonds at running back. Did I give up too much? Was Hawkinson a mistake at four point one? So I'll start with a good here. I love your. I love having a super flex core of Lamar Jackson and Mahomes. I've said before, I lo- in Dynasty, I'm all about the quarterbacks, and I'm literally downgrading running backs. So I don't mind that you're weak at running back, but I just I can't get on board with Hawkinson at four one. I'm not a big believer in him. I, we just went over this a little bit earlier. Uh, I don't see the profile for him as being kind of a fantasy difference maker. He's not the receiver Darren Waller is. And I think if you're going for that type of play at 4-1, you're hoping he can evolve into that. Not only a target hog, but someone who can do something with the target. So other than that, I like it, but I, I do kind of feel like Hawkinson was a mistake at 4-1. Yeah, as someone who likes Hawkinson, I don't. I wouldn't have taken him that early. But yeah, you got, you got some good stuff there. You'll be all right. And I think... Uh, Connor's going to get hurt, so Edmonds is going to have a, a few weeks where he's potentially a huge stud this week, so he'll be good there. From B. Do Well, good morning, Pete, Keith, Eddie, and Ezekiel. Those are Ohio State running backs. Oh, his this guy's uncle is Keith Byers, so that's pretty cool. Um, half PPR league with two keepers. We can only keep uh, one position per keeper, so you can't keep two running backs or two wide receivers. I think I may have read this as an email, but we'll do it anyway. Um, I'm keeping McCaffrey. So who would you keep Ridley in the third McLaurin in the fifth or make a trade for Kelsey in the second and, uh, then don't make my, so he would have to give up Zeke and Ridley for Kelsey. So Ridley in the third McLaurin in the fifth or trade Zeke and Ridley for Kelsey. That's a tough call because I am. With you, Adam, I am Team Kelsey this year. I think he is one of the best values in fantasy. Anytime you can get him, and I've seen it happen after the first six picks of a draft, I'm in on it. But I think it's a little steep to give up Zeke, in this case, Zeke and Ridley. For Kelsey, for me, it's a close call, but I'm going with McLaurin over uh, Ridley based on the volume. I think they're both going to be high-volume players in offenses that are either going to want to throw a lot, like Washington, based on their coordinator, uh, or need to throw a lot like Atlanta because I think their defense is going to be terrible. So I'm going to go with McLaurin here. I think I like them both as prospects. I think they're very similar receivers, by the way. They're really good at route running and getting open, and so and, and they're going to have a lot of targets. So I'm, I'm going with McLaurin here. From Leo9 Das, another sleeper, Colts tight end Kylan Granson. Your thoughts? I think that's going a little too deep. Uh, but I do love a sleeper tight end on the Colts roster who's not named Kyle Granson, and it's Moelle Cox. I think that we've seen already with Carson Wentz, he can provide value for a tight end too with Dallas Goddard. We've even seen him make two tight ends fantasy viable at the same time. So I feel like Moelle Cox is a really good athlete. He flashed a little bit of his skill set last year, but Philip Rivers, just that arm was pretty dead. So I really like Moelle Cox as a sleeper in that offense. From Maple Syrup, Dynasty League, PPR, three receivers. Trade Justin Herbert. I think we read this one last week. I already have Dak Prescott. I trade Justin. Yeah, we hated this trade. So, sorry. (laughs) Do not give up Justin Herbert for Michael Pittman. Um, Yeah, you you can do better than that. All right, time for some emails uh, to finish the show at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. We will get to them right after this quick break on Fantasy Football Today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. 
Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. And we are back. Here we go. Adam Azer with Dan Schneier. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at Dan Schneier NFL. That is S-C-H-N-E-I-E-R, Schneier. It's easier to type than to say. Completely. Uh, Right? Yeah. Uh, From Chris. Dynasty League, I have Derrick Henry, Mike Davis, and Kamara. Would you take Trey Sermon or Michael Carter? I'm banking on Carter here for two key reasons. I think he's a better prospect. Dave actually did the prospect breakdown of him and watched a lot of his film. And we compared notes because I had watched him for another podcast I do. And we just like his skill set a lot for the NFL. He's really good at forcing missed tackles. And then he has the burst to turn those into touchdowns potentially for fantasy persons. I also feel like he has a clearer path than Sermon. Just like you said, Shanahan's workload history, I just don't ever see Sermon being the guy. And I'm not so sure Michael Carter will be the guy right away, but I think ultimately he can evolve into that type of player. This is from Eric from the best city in the Sunshine State. Ooh. And addressed to Ed, Ray, Michael, and Warren. So this guy is... What is the best city in the Sunshine State? The best is city that, that I've been to? Tampa? Is that what that is? Oh, God, no. He's a Miami guy. So <laughs> oh, Miami. Tampa's you think fine. Miami's the best city in the Sunshine State, Adam? I hate, I hate Miami. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like it either. So that's not that's the wrong answer for me. Um I I don't man, I really don't know. I like Palm Beach a lot. It's very nice. Yeah. It's quiet. West Palm. <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm gonna say Delray. Delray, like downtown Delray. Great. You ever been there? I've never been to Delray. Yeah. No. You can check it out. It's fun. Okay. Um all right. So Eric from Delray says, I got an offer for Justin Jefferson from the Jonathan Taylor manager straight up. Would you trade Jefferson for Taylor? It's a dynasty league. He has Tyree Kill, Calvin Ridley, CeeDee Lamb, Terry McLaurin. And he also has Dobbins, Mixon, and Gaskin. This is a really good team here. Same. Yeah. Well, I think I would take Taylor. But I don't... I would take Taylor because he is definitely deeper at wide receiver than running back. What would you do? I'm in the same boat as you, Adam. I normally, again, anti-running back in Dynasty, but with your with his receiver debt, first of all, this team is going to win championships in the next five years. It's That's a multiple. The, this team is stacked. I don't know how you got there, but good for you, my friend. And Taylor is also kind of that next-level prospect. If you remember back to the Combine, he was comped similarly, at least from an athletic standpoint, to Saquon Barkley. He's been the closest comp to Barkley since Barkley was drafted. I know that hasn't been many years, but Barkley was kind of that next-level running back prospect from a size-speed standpoint. So I love this trade. I think it's a no-brainer given your wide receiver depth. Okay, this is from Rivon. I recently had the 10th pick, and I tried out a strategy, which I think I like if I'm picking at the ends. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is a best ball league. So 
he lo- I locked up my studs in the first four rounds. Aaron Jones, Cam Akers, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas in round four. Excellent. Uh, rounds five through six, I swung for the fences with the combo of Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. And after those picks, I decided to lock up backfields. I took Fournette and Jones, Singletary and Moss, and then I took MVS and Lazard. My strategy is if they play the hot hand, then I win at that position. This only works in best ball as I do not have to set my lineup. Are there any other backfields that should be going back to back? Arizona, Denver. Yeah, this is an interesting. Yeah, so locking up a backfield in best ball, it's an interesting strategy. And what do you think? I have a different mindset on this one, Adam. I actually don't at all like the idea of stacking backfields in best ball. So I think you're limiting your upside. At best, only one of the two will be able to make your best ball lineup weekly. But there's going to be weeks where that offense doesn't score a rushing touchdown and neither scores. And if both of them are healthy, there's a good chance that neither of them is startable in best ball. So I really think you're limiting your upside. And best ball to me is all about upside you're playing to be first of 12 it's not a weekly league so to me i'm not i'm not a believer in stacking backfields okay from andrew phillips dear joe warren doug and jeff these were quarterbacks that played in the cfl (laughs) joe theisman warren moon doug flutie and jeff garcia that was impressive adam how did you get there (laughs) you're joking right (laughs) <laughs> not 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 entirely i mean oh, i guess yeah. i don't know i don't know the game no well. no no because he he put it in the in the email he, he oh, gave I, the, I missed that part of the email <laughs> yeah he told uh i i don't know i don't think i would have gotten that no i mean it's it's joe like i see warren and it's like okay that's probably you warren think warren moon, moon yeah yeah but the other yeah i don't think i would have gotten that it's different now that i know it now i can be oh doug flutie yeah so i don't know <laughs> Take it. I'm taking the L on this one, Adam. No, I, I would have too. I just didn't feel like being like, uh, what is, I just cheated. So anyway, this is an eight-team, two-quarterback, two-keeper league. I had a strong team last year, and I finished third, but my biggest weakness was QB2 in my two-QB league. I had Lamar Jackson and Cam Newton. I want to lock up my QB2 early this year, potentially with my first pick. I'm keeping Lamar. So... Um, the other quarterbacks that are gone that are going to be kept are Mahomes, Allen, Brady, Murray, Prescott, and Wilson. Which QB would you target from the next tier? Herbert, Hurts, Stafford, anyone else? Yeah, I have a lot of... Uh, first of all, I'm going to gonna make a comment now that I love Matt Stafford this year with Sean McVay. I feel like that offense has been so efficient with Jared, even with Jared Goff at times in that passing game. And I really think Jared Goff is a much big, a a massive step down from Stafford. So I think he's going to hit the ground running there. They have really good weapons as well, but I have different late round guys that I'm targeting and they all fit the same billing at them. They're all, they're all those Konami code quarterbacks. So for those of you not familiar with the Konami code, it's basically targeting quarterbacks who also give you points on the ground. So Jalen Hurts is a great example, but he'll be drafted a bit higher. I'm going to be honest, I'm back on the Cam Newton train this year. I feel like they've done enough to upgrade around him, and you're still going to get a guy who's utilized early and often in the red zone as a runner. And so I feel like he can give you a lot of value there. Daniel Jones is another one, Adam. I don't want to sound like a homer here because things can go poorly, but his ADP just keeps sinking and sinking and sinking. And he still is that same quarterback from his rookie season who gives you the upside on the ground with rushing stats. And now he has Kenny Galladay to work with, Kadarius Tony. So I feel like he's another example of somebody I'm targeting late that can fit that Konami code. Yeah, this question, though, was, you know, he wants to take his, his number two quarterback with his first pick. So once Mahomes, a little bit higher, right? Yeah. Mahomes, Jackson, Allen, Brady, Murray, Prescott, and Wilson are all gone. Um, 
Herbert, Hurts, Stafford, those are the three he mentioned. You got to throw Aaron Rodgers in there. I think I would probably just go Aaron Rodgers, but I tell you what, if it were one QB league, I would take Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. But since you're not going to be able to just play the waiver wire or, you know, try to find upside later in the draft, really, I guess you could, but um, I would probably go Aaron Rodgers. That'd be, that'd be my pick. Stafford. Out of those guys, I'm with you for yeah. sure. I, I think people are underrating Rodgers right now just because of the uncertainty of the situation. It doesn't seem to me like he has as much leverage as some people think he does. I think he's just going to be on the Packers. They'll they'll do something nice to make him feel you know comfortable. And if he is back on the Packers, he should be the go-to guy here as your target for that really high-end second QB, especially with the addition of Amari Rodgers. It's going to make him even better. Last email. Ahoy, gents, from... Hoss in a town in Hobbiton or something. This is from Lord of the Rings. In the far eastern part of West Farting. I don't even know what these words are. I consider myself a nerd, Adam. I like a lot of this stuff, and I've never really gotten into Lord of the Rings. I don't don't know what happened there. I watched the first one about 17 years ago. I think I was a freshman in college, so that was, what was that, 2002, actually, so more than that. I didn't like it at all. I thought it's, I thought it sucked. But then I saw part of, I saw a battle scene on TV, and I was mesmerized. I was, wow, this is this is impressive. I need to give this series another run. So we'll see. Maybe I'll try to find time for it in like eighteen years when my kids are in college. <laughs> uh, all right, draft philosophy discussion question. That should benefit the majority of your listeners like me who play in three or fewer leagues per year who might question analyst advice as too bullish or worse. Stop listening to the show because their seasons are ruined because they are risky first and second round draft picks bust. The question is, don't don't stop listening to the show. Compared to the common listener who might play in one or two leagues at most, do fantasy analysts have a bias toward drafting players based on potential upside? because they can better afford to miss on those gambles by spreading that risk around in their 10 or more leagues that they play in? That's a good question. Are we more risky in our drafts because we have so many teams? My answer is no. Uh, I do not ever factor that in. I, I don't, you know, my philosophies would be the same no matter how many leagues I were in. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I'm the same way as you. I don't let it factor me uh, factor into my thinking at all. Yeah, I, I think that... No, you you should draft you should draft for upside. I do think that we overstayed upside a little bit because we don't know who has the most upside. The example I use often was two seasons ago, Todd Gurley was coming off what was, you know, he was basically Ladanian Tomlinson for the second straight year. And then he hurt his knee, and this was the Rams Super Bowl year. Um so he was coming off that run and remember it didn't end well for him. He didn't look good late, but he became a second round pick, kind of a late second round pick. And I was like, who has more upside than Todd Gurley? He was the best player in fantasy two years in a row before his injury. So I was like, I'm definitely taking him over Dalvin Cook. And of course, Cook has now become almost Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley <laughs> is not on a football team. So I think that when you hear analysts talk about upside, we could easily be wrong about it, but I don't think it's a mistake to target upside, no matter how many leagues you're in. Uh, you, That's how you win. You take shots. I wish I had more guts last year and had taken Metcalf over Lockett. I, I yeah. would have done, you know, because I felt it in my gut, but but everybody talked me out of it. <laughs> so, no, it's not, it's no, 
there's no effect based on the amount of leagues I'm in. But yeah, we I think the word upside is probably like a drinking game. We probably use it a little bit too much, I would say. I also though feel like Adam in, in this regard, I don't think you can really unless you're taking you know, Patrick Mahomes, which is terrible from a positional value standpoint, and we wouldn't advise it in those first two rounds. You can't really bank on floor like it seems to suggest in this. I feel like with with injuries being so kind of oh, – I'm injury agnostic. I think they're mostly luck-based. So with the injury factor and a lot of other factors that go into fantasy football, there's so many. The variance is so high. You can't really predict floor either. So if you're just banking on this guy has a high floor, this he's not a high-ceiling guy, but he has a high floor – Ultimately, sometimes those guys end up not being the high floor guys, and they end up being the busts as well. So that's kind of my take on ceiling versus floor. Sure. I mean, all you have to do is go back to the first email that said, to the crew who has consistently overvalued Joe Mixon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Dan, thanks for coming on. Good to hear from you. It was awesome, man. Thanks for having me, Adam. You'll hear Dan Schneier again, no doubt. He'll be playing poker with us next Tuesday, youtube.com slash today. Head on over to Fantasy Football Today in five. I just recorded two player profiles uh, with Jacob Gibbs, Justin Jefferson, and Michael Thomas. The math on Michael Thomas is really, really exciting when you talk about target share and air yards and the players who have kind of done what he did last year. You'll see. You'll see. Just check it out. Jacob does a much better job explaining it than I do. That is Dan Schneier. I am Adam Azer. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you Monday on Fantasy Football Today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.